who has been obsessed with compulsive disorder, trichotillomania, which consists of pulling out your hair. Mm -hmm. It has been a devastating part of my life for approximately two decades now. Why in the world am I Mm -hmm. pulling out my own hair? Hair Mm -hmm. that people have complimented me on for all of my life. I don't know why I started doing it. I remember being away from home for the first time at camp. There were a lot of activities. I felt safe. I just thought I was this weirdo walking around Mm -hmm. doing something that nobody on God's Green Earth ever heard of. But when I had gotten divorced Mm -hmm. and shipped back to this country with absolutely no money in my pocket, it was nasty and cruel. Yes. Within maybe three months, I had discarded 80% of my hair to the point where I would have to go on job interviews with a wig. As we each work to solve the puzzle that is our life, we often have questions that we just can't answer. Sometimes those questions are so large that the answer can have life-changing consequences. That's the case with the caller we'll hear today here on Hope for the Heart. But before we get to that conversation, June Hunt tells us a personal story about oppression and abuse in her childhood home. She also shares how that impacted her as an adult before she found God's hope and healing. A number of years ago, a friend called me on the phone and said, June, I'd like to read a list of characteristics to you, and I just want you to think about these characteristics in light of yourself. I don't want to tell you the name of the book, but I just want to know, do you even see yourself in any way in these characteristics? I listened and I listened and I thought, hmm, well, that one doesn't sound like me. I mean, there were, you know, very few that didn't sound like me. Then my friend said, this is a book on adult children of alcoholics. And she said, I know your father was not an alcoholic, but I thought you might identify with so many of these characteristics and we might talk about it. This was very unusual. And she said, I'll tell you what I think it is. I think that you have the characteristics of someone who has been oppressed in a home as though your father had been an alcoholic. He wasn't an alcoholic, but the impact was the same. I thought, hmm. Let me mention some of these specific characteristics. I'm calling this a test for broken boundaries. Do you find it difficult to make decisions and stick with them when opposed? See, my tendency was, oh, well, if somebody opposes, I give in. Because, truthfully, I had to growing up. And you live years this way, and all of a sudden, you mean I'm supposed to hold to it if I really think it's best? But see, my philosophy is, oh, but I can be at peace with whatever. I can be content whatever the circumstance. In fact, that was my verse. I thought I've learned in whatever state to be content. Test for broken boundaries. Number two. Do you feel you must seek opinions of others before acting on a decision? Number three, do you feel hesitant to give your opinion when asked? Do you fear expressing what you really feel? You know, it's interesting. I have a sister who's five years younger than me, and she is a very competent person. And I remember a few years ago, she said, I really don't respect that you won't stand up for what you really want. And she was making an issue of this. Well, I've had to learn this. Match strength 
with strength. If you know somebody is very strong, don't become a little wallflower. They actually appreciate someone who will have strong opinions that will be expressed. The reverse is true. If you know somebody is very fragile, be careful about coming on too strong. I learned that even here at our ministry. And it was very helpful because there was someone who was very bright, very capable, but had been victimized horrifically. She was the only one I couldn't seem to have a, a warm relationship with here on our staff. And yet I would see her interacting fine and fun, you know, with others. One of the people here in this room said to me, I, I said, what am I doing wrong? What? And the answer was, June, you're trying too hard. You realize the degree of abuse that she experienced. Don't try so hard. In fact, just be very laid back with her because she's used to an abuse of power by her father. There are times when you say, well, if I'm going to be wise, I need to be able to interact in a way that the person can hear me, where we can communicate. So when you see this list, it's not an issue, well, sometimes I don't have that much of a strong opinion, and that's fine too, but if you're with somebody strong, you, you need to speak it with confidence. Amazingly, this makes an, a, a big difference. If you're just cowering, feeling like you have no voice, well, God is the one who gives you a voice. He's the one who gave you a mind to use. Do you fear expressing what you really feel? Number four, do you lack confidence in your own convictions? Do you avoid certain people because you fear embarrassment? Do you find it difficult to maintain eye contact with another person? Do you find it difficult to ask others for help? Listen, that's hard when you feel you've got to do it all. You don't ask somebody to help because everything's on your shoulders. This is one of the hardest things for me. Right out of college, I became a youth director, and I had 120 leaders just in the junior high division. How could I possibly ask any of the leaders to do anything? I was right out of college. I can't ask them to do anything. My point is, healthy people don't mind saying, is it possible you could help me with this? And healthy people don't mind when the need is there to ask for help. But if you have this mindset of, I've got to be perceived as doing it all perfectly and it's all my responsibility, that's not really healthy. Isn't it wonderful that the truth sets us free? We need to just really thank God for that because he intends us to have meaningful relationships. Do you do favors for others even when you know you shouldn't? And what's that about? Well, I can think of things I did. I was staying at a friend's house. She was insightful, and she spoke truth to me about me many times. I remember thinking, well, I've got to do something. She's allowing me to stay here, and I'm attending this conference, and I'm in her home. I can't just not do anything. And she said, June, you don't need to do anything. You can just be here as a guest. I kept feeling I didn't deserve to be there. That was about me. I love to help, but in retrospect, that was more about what I needed to do to feel valuable. I needed to do something. Victims often feel so powerless that they're trying to do things to help, and they don't even know why. Many times they, they would have no clue as to a motive like this. Next question, test for broken boundaries. Do you avoid asking people to return overdue items they have borrowed? 
Do you have difficulty receiving sincere compliments? I have another sister. I remember it was just before Christmas, and she said, June, you did that so well. And I said, oh, well, I really didn't. And I started this, and she said, June, just say thank you. <laughs> you know you did it well. Well, I, June, then she said, thou dost protest too much. <laughs> thou dost protest too much? If you can identify with having difficulty accepting compliments, would you raise your hand? Okay. How about the next time you are complimented, make a decision now to just say, thank you. And you can say, that's very thoughtful of you to say. In truth, it so helps when we realize who gave us the ability to do anything. Who gave you a mouth to be able to speak? Who gave you the ability to hear? Who gave you a mind to be able to work, to be able to do anything? All we have to do is say, thank you. And in your heart, you can say, now I take that compliment like a precious bouquet and I lay it at Jesus' feet. It's not an issue of pridefulness. It really isn't. Question, do you need a great deal of assurance from others? The tricky thing for me is I might do something and there'd be so many wonderful, gracious people who will appreciate this, appreciate this. If one person has anything negative to say, that's the one thing I remember the most. Sometimes we are weighing so heavily what someone says, and it's not what God wants us to be focusing on. Do you do more of your share of work on a project? Do you have difficulty pointing out situations that are unfair? Do you ever say yes when you want to say no? Think of this, Proverbs 29:25. This is a powerful scripture. Fear of man Fear of a human being will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of any human being. If we are living in fear, we're talking about not doing what we would want to do. Just assuming, oh, okay, I'll give in. I've got to always cater to this person. Did you see Jesus always trying to cater to people just to keep them happy? No. And that's so helpful. If we can say, okay, this is healthy. Jesus was healthy. Yes, he was opposed. Yes, there were things that in his human state, we could say he was a victim, for example. Did his family turn against him? His own flesh and blood brothers. Yes, he was powerless over that. That's how I mean the word victim. Now, he was not a victim when he went to the cross. He said, you do not take my life from me. I give my life as a ransom for many. This was a choice. He came to earth to die. But in truth, there are times when certain things occurred and it certainly would not be his first choice. But he did not force people to be what they should be. I believe that if there are characteristics we have that we say, now, would Jesus want me to do this? Be very aware that at times what we're doing is making an assumption. It's like having to be a martyr when instead, you're not even being called to be a martyr for that person. If you're going to be a martyr, be a martyr for Jesus. But not sacrifice your conviction or be a people pleaser. The concept here is being a people pleaser, assuming that you have to please everyone or at least die trying. You're listening to June Hunt, and this is Hope for the Heart. We're talking about boundaries specifically boundaries that may not exist as a result of being in an abusive situation. 
More about recovering from abuse can be found at hopefortheheart.org. Coming up, June shares a conversation she had with a young woman who was pulling her hair out. This caller recounts a specific incident of abuse. If you're sensitive to this type of conversation, or you have young ones around, you might want to send them to another room for just a few minutes. Now let's go back to our broadcast and listen to that recorded phone conversation from the beginning of the program. I've been diagnosed with an obsessive-compulsive disorder, trichotillomania, which consists of pulling out your hair. Mm -hmm. It has been a devastating part of my life for approximately two decades now. Why in the world am I Mm -hmm. pulling out my own hair? Hair Mm -hmm. that people have complimented me on for all of my life. At what age did you begin? About nine or ten. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I started doing it. I remember being away from home for the first time at camp. There were a lot of activities. I felt safe. I just thought I was this weirdo walking around mm-hmm. doing something that nobody on God's Green Earth ever heard of. How many of you are familiar with trichotillomania? Raise your hands. Okay, that's more people than I thought. Okay, what is trichotillomania? Pulling not just hair from the scalp, it can be just that. Sometimes it is just the eyebrows, sometimes the eyelashes. Anywhere there's hair, arms, legs. Now, why do people do this? They may be having obsessive thoughts, and that might distract them from that or bring them back to earth. Mm. Let me just say that this woman had done a lot of research, but she still didn't understand herself. In other words, she did think she was the only one on earth, that it was just something she was clueless about. But I just believe there's a reason why we do what we do. Now, you'd say, well, was it uh, genetic? Well, there wasn't anyone in her family. You know, it's one of these things where I just think it always helps to look at the whole picture, look at everything and see if anything (laughs) makes sense. But you'll hear her story. Thank you. Approximately what percentage of your hair was pulled out? First, it was like less than 2%. Okay. But when I was 25, it was 20%. But when I had gotten divorced Mm -hmm. and shipped back to this country with absolutely no money in my pocket, it was nasty and cruel. Yes. Within maybe three months, I had discarded 80% of my hair to the point where I would have to go on job interviews with a wig. How old were you at that time? 27. Okay. Patterns can be broken, even when there's obsessive-compulsive disorder. The scripture says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, mm-hmm. but be transformed, and it tells us how, by the renewing of our minds. Yeah. The renewing of our minds. That's not just a scripture that has spiritual implications. How many times are there problems that people have because they don't know how to take control of their minds and speak the truth about a situation? Now, where do you go from here? She is saying, I have done some reading on this, but she doesn't understand herself. So where would the conversation go if you were on the phone with her? Back to her family life. Family life. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a phrase that some people use, all behavior is purposeful. Okay, well, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. Is there a certain activity or a situation that precipitates pulling Yeah, and you know, that is good. Typically, that's called the triggers. 
But it sounds like she'd already told you one of her triggers was stress. Stress, you know, yes. Because following a divorce, moving home, no money. You certainly see a progression. That would seem to be obvious to her. I want you to have hope here, okay? That's important. It is vitally important. I want to know about the relationship with your father. Okay. My dad has done just about every drug known to man. Of course, that affects your personality, and he mm -hmm. had perpetrated a lot of violence upon my mother. Incredible, disgraceful, unlawful mm -hmm. violence. Mm. I was witness to a particularly tragic scene where I was put into a closet uh, while witnessing him with a huge leather, enormous brass buckle belt. And he slammed the closet door shut and he locked it, I'm sure, and I just heard my mother screaming for her life. Hmm. I don't recall what happened next. How old were you when this took place? Three or four. Were you not fearful for your mother? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Our behaviors come out of our belief system. There was a point that I realized that I could diffuse my father's anger, therefore saving my mother by just charming him because I knew that I was the apple of his eye. Yes. When I was at camp, I must have been thinking constantly, who's going to help my mother? Who's mm. going to keep my father from being angry? I'm not there. What's going to happen? Oh, no. And I think to release my anxiety, I was tugging on my hair and I pulled some out and there was some type of sensation that distracted me from my thought. And I guess it became a pattern to distract me from painful thoughts. This is the road I was going down. There are those who will literally cut themselves with a razor. Why would somebody cut himself or herself with a razor? They're called cutters. Yes. Well, to realize that they're still alive, because a lot of times they'll feel numb from their circumstances, mm -hmm. so it's a way for them to remember that they are alive, and then a mm -hmm. distraction from what is going on. All of a sudden you have this other pain, this physical, real pain. Excellent. So which is more powerful, emotional pain or physical pain? Emotional. emotional. I know for some people, they would think, wait a minute, how on earth would you say that? You talk to anyone who has studied anything about this. The point of the cutter is, oh, things are so painful. The memories, if I could just cut, then it deflects. It takes the focus away from that emotional pain temporarily. It won't last. What other kinds of self-injury, self-harm, what other kinds of things are done? Yes. As a teenager, I used to bite in my forearm and leave teeth marks. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even sure why I did it or why I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. I know I did come from a painful home, yeah. but it does me better not to talk about it. You know, this is what it's about. So this might be why you're here today, to learn. And that's helpful. I think if we canvassed this room, you don't just, oh, I love this topic. This is a feel-good topic. <laughs> it's because so many of us have had such painful circumstances. There are other things that are used. There are burners. Yeah, excuse me. I claw. Uh, I've got about 130 wounds. It's like a release, and it stops the thoughts and the pain in my head. Yeah. It can be just dripping to the floor. And I'm horrified by what I've done, but it's release. And then I moment. clean up and I'm ashamed. And I come to June Hunt today to, to get yeah. some help. You know, what we can do is just pray that every single person 
who does any type of self-harm, we can just all personally pray that walking away is like, I now know what to do. You can hear that she has put together some pieces, and that's very important. Think about this. When I was a child, I what? Yes. Thought like a child, reasoned like a child. What are we told to do now? As an adult, you what? Put childish ways behind. There are times when it's like, I'm powerless. That's all I can do. I have no choices. But now, listen, this has helped me to say, that was then, this is now. I want you to say that with me. That was then, this is now. Say it again. That was then, this is now. So when you start responding as you did before, feeling powerless, and yet God has allowed you to live as an adult this far, you go, oh, wait a minute. I have choices that I did not have previously. Is there anybody who doesn't have more freedom of choice today as an adult? Okay. That's 100%. Sometimes we have to have the courage to say, okay, now if I'm going to do that, I need to put my mind in gear and sometimes say to myself, if I need to say it every day, then I'll just write this out and just say, thank you, God, that that was then and I was powerless then. This is now and today is different. I can make healthy choices. That was then and this is now. Thank you, June, for bringing this truth to us that we are not powerless. This is listener-supported Hope for the Heart, and June will be back in a minute with an important message. But first, as we listened to June talk with this woman, we heard that she was already out of her violent situation. However, there are those who are currently in an abusive relationship. If that's you and you need immediate professional help, consider calling a crisis hotline. You may also find help at a hospital with a physician, a qualified mental health care provider, or through law enforcement. Other resources that can help you discover more about living in victory are in our Keys for Living series that address crisis and trauma, including abuse recovery, which June talked about today. There are also hope-filled and helpful resources on domestic violence, verbal and emotional abuse, and bullying. Again, it's all found at hopefortheheart.org. Talking about recovering from abuse isn't easy, but knowing that you can start walking in freedom and moving forward in hope Well, that's exactly what we all want. Now, I mentioned earlier that June has recorded a special message for us. Here she is. Hi, this is June again. Thank you for being with me for Hope for the Heart over the past 34 years. Soon we'll be launching a brand new podcast. The number of people who listen to podcasts is rapidly growing. So what a great time to share hope with even more people, helping them find God's truth for today's problems. Now you'll be able to hear us anytime, anywhere. To do this, we are transitioning away from this daytime program. So Friday, October 2nd, is our final broadcast. As we look forward to the podcast, you can get daily messages of hope on my Facebook page and our nighttime program. And I invite you to visit my new website, junehunt.org. That's junehunt.org. Remember, There are no hopeless situations, only those who have grown hopeless. Thank you, June, for sharing this with us. 34 years is a long time for a radio broadcast, and we're so grateful to our listening audience for your support, for your prayers, and for sharing hope in your communities. 
Now, just to clarify, June is not going away. She will still host her late-night radio program, Hope in the Night. You can find this on many of your local stations or at hopefortheheart.org. She also mentioned a new podcast that's going to launch in the future, plus her brand-new website that's coming online in October. And it's easy to remember, junehunt.org. And this is in addition to the existing Hope for the Heart website. You can also find daily messages of hope and help on June's Facebook page. Again, we're so grateful to our listeners, and we invite you to follow us as we continue to share God's hope with the hurting world. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Remember that there is hope no matter the circumstance. Meet us back here tomorrow for more hope and help right here on Hope for the Heart, 